When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is the perfect story? We may never know, but we will sure as hell keep trying. In this special bonus episode of The Midnight Myth, we'll pit your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains against each other in a battle royale of some pretty surprising scenarios. It's the Boomerangarang. Welcome to The Midnight Myth. everybody welcome back to the midnight myth everybody's favorite philosophy history mythology pop culture let's make all of this cool stuff happening sound smart podcast oh that's a perfect way to sum it up that's exactly what this is absolutely so um sorry we took a week off guys it's been pretty crazy for us we had to move into a new house um our studio is in our home so we had to set up a new studio among all of the other things that you need to do when you uh, buy your first home, which we are now homeowners, hooray to us. Yay, pop the champagne. So it just really wasn't feasible for us to do an episode. Um, We talked at length during this process of what type of episode we wanted to jump back into. And you know, like the world's really like fucked up and heavy. So we wanted to do a fun, let's get back to midnight myth uh, podcasting style gamification of all things debatable and nerdy. Yeah, so we are bringing you another bonus boomerangarang, uh, which is kind of our signature uh, game podcast where we take apart everything amazing happening in pop culture right now and just throw it into a hat and have some great fun with it. Uh, So it's amazing to be back in the studio and sharing this with you. And we were inspired for the theme of this one by the recent release of Solo, A Star Wars Story. Uh, we really enjoyed the movie. We thought it was was pretty good. It's not something that I think we're going to dig in for a really intense podcast about, but something that we could have a lot of fun with. So regardless of how you felt about that movie, we hope that you're still in the mood to talk Star Wars with us because we're always in the mood to talk Star Wars. And I think that this is part of a bigger plan to do more podcasts like this where we have some fun and we springboard this into some of our deeper conversations that you'll hear during the regular episodes. So if you like what you're hearing, I hope you'll let us know and give us whatever feedback that you have, or even throw out your suggestions for themes in the future of these boomerangarang game episodes. So I think before we dive in, if you want to share that feedback with us, and if you want to get in touch for any reason, please do. We are all over the interwebs, so definitely tweet us at the Midnight Myth on Twitter. 
Hit us up on Facebook or on Instagram at Midnight Myth Podcast. You can also go over to www.midnightmyth.com to check out some bonus content there. And while you're at it, make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating or a review for posterity. So here's how this game is going to work. We have before us two hats with folded up pieces of paper. In one hat, we have Star Wars characters, be they main characters, side characters, heroes, and villains. The one rule that we had in deciding characters was it had to be something from the canon since the Disney purchase, meaning that if it was a character from a comic or a novel that is no longer considered the quote-unquote Star Wars canon, they weren't eligible. We have 12 of them, or no, 14. I forget how many. 16. 16 of them. You'll find out. We have a lot of them. So I will draw one and Laurel will draw one. In the hat adjacent and next to the character villain side character hat is a hat of scenarios. Now, I came up with half of the scenarios. Laurel came up with the other half of the scenarios. We don't know what each other wrote. And once we draw the scenario, we must argue whose character or characters would fare what better, would succeed more well. Uh, that's proper grammar. It's I don't just know. Better suited for that particular for that scenario. for that scenario. And I just want to make abundantly clear: Derek's talking about literal hats. We have literal hats on the table with stuff in them. Absolutely, so. both of them are my hats because I'm a hat guy. <laughs> All right, so. Without further ado, we're going to go right in. Now, oh, one other thing. Uh, Audience members, feel free to keep score. If you think one argument was better than the other, hit us up via Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or website which argument you think for each character slash characters and scenarios won and tell us who you think argued better. It's not really who would be better in the scenarios. It's about who argues better in said scenarios. All right. So shall we? Without further ado, let us both pick our characters from the character hat. Laurel has her character. She's unwrapping it now, and she has... Jar Jar Binks. Oh! (laughs) That was one of the ones you picked to be in there. Oh, I have Lando Calrissian. Okay. I don't think there can be a scenario in which Jar Jar Binks would ever be better than Lando at all. Anything. Well, I'm going to draw it from the hat, so let's find out. So your hand is in there, and you are picking out a scenario. You guys hear the unfolding of the paper. We have... Creating a successful new app that's a hit with millennials. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I'm going to open this one, if that's okay. Uh, by Start all means. opening statements. By all means, please. Um, Jar Jar Binks, man. You know, I don't know if any... Star Wars character has been the focus of such hate and vitriol and just just total nasty trollness. Like, this guy has sustained, this Gungan has sustained so, so much criticism. Oh, just and, points for calling him a Gungan. I'm just, I appreciated you being specific to the species. Sorry. Yeah, um, and it's all valid and it's all necessary criticism because this guy is like, you know, Jar Jar is not on the up and up. It, that is a character who is like a racist stereotype and a caricature and in many ways just like totally unfunny and ruins the party and sucks. And it doesn't sound like I'm arguing for this character right now. Um, But 
When you think about what it takes to create an app that is successful on the app store and reaches millennials, you have to have a pretty thick skin, right? To be able to even go into that kind of a business that's getting out there and is able to put itself on the internet, especially in a culture that has been created on our social media and on our internet, because we hold ourselves to a very, very high standard as millennials for political correctness, for uh, sensitivity, for uh, inclusiveness. So I think if anybody is well-suited to approach that demographic, uh, it's somebody who has already taken that criticism in stride and, uh, and, and is you know, used to it, has developed the, the skin thick enough to deal with that. And we also have to take in, in, into mind that he's you know, part of the Galactic Senate. Like He's on the floor. He is you know, interfacing with people from all walks of life in the galaxy, and so he's going to be able to pinpoint what people need and what kind of a, a piece of software or application or hardware or whatever it is people are going to need the most. So I think he's got really interesting experience to hold up for this demographic and this task. You did really well there. I just want to point that out. That was as flawless of an argument for the scenario and character as one could create. Before I will dive into why my character is better at this, which is I don't really think needs a lot of explaining why my character would be better at it. I think we all intrinsically and intuitively know this. I'd like to point out the flaw in your argument, the glaring flaw. Your argument is that Jar Jar would be better at designing an app because he has faced internet hate and trolling worse than other characters in Star Wars. The problem is that the character Jar Jar has never faced that. That has only happened outside of the realm of the character. What has the character faced? He's faced fucking up a battlefield. Uh, he is in the, the battle at the end of episode one of Phantom Menace. He has faced handing over the Empire to, or handing over the Republic to uh, Senator Palpatine to help make him Emperor Palpatine. And then he's not in Revenge of the Sith at all because no one cared. So the character has never faced that. Um, though the, uh, the certainly the actor who's played the character has faced that. However, that's not who's designing the app. So there's a big flaw in that argument. I guess we can't suspend our disbelief when we're talking about an app store in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Well, even then, in that universe, Jar Jar is not criticized. He starts off as a outcast, then becomes a general, who then becomes a senator. So he is far from someone that is overly scrutinized from where he starts to where he ends in Phantom Menace. So even then the argument, if we're, if we're saying that it's Jar Jar the character in the movies that's making the app in a world that doesn't even, a universe that doesn't even have apps, which I don't think was a scenario. The scenario was in this universe. Yeah. So um, that's the big flaw in your argument. Okay, As fine. well stated as it was. And it really was. It was Somebody great. had to argue Jar Jar here. Abs so. And you did so better. Like I said, perfectly perfect argument. Uh, for the character that you have, you pulled a rabbit out of your hat, but it was still an illusion. <laughs> so we all know that Lando is a charming, handsome, um, slightly morally ambiguous, natural leader of a character. And Im imagine this. You're in the HBO TV show Silicon Valley, and you're a great engineer with a great idea 
and you can't get your company off the ground. And what you need is a front man to sell your idea to the public. You need someone that can interface with the millennials that they will find handsome, charming, and charismatic that can help be the face of this brilliant new app. Lando is the character made, literally made for that. And he would be out there selling the app better than anyone. I mean, you're talking about advertising and you're talking about PR. No, no, I'm not. You're talking about PR. No, 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 that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a company that needs a leader, a leader both in the public and a leader both behind the scenes. Lando Calrissian is that leader. Look at Lando in Cloud City. He is forced between a rock and a hard spot. He has Darth Vader and Darth Vader's uh, enemies, Han Solo and Leia, both playing them off of each other. Most people in that scenario would crumble and fall. Lando actually thrives and comes out more moral, stronger, and better suited to help bring peace to the galaxy than when it started. That's the stuff that you want from your CEO in Silicon Valley. But can he code? He doesn't need to. Yeah, you win. Steve Jobs didn't know how to code. I know, I know. That was, that's what I was hoping you would say. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, that was a terrible draw on my part. I mean, and, uh, depending on the scenario. I mean, Jar Jar is a bad draw. Jar Jar is a bad draw pretty much across the board. All right, new characters. So let's go into the character hat and pull them out. And who you got? Luke Skywalker. Oh, Fucking shit. This is insane. This was not at all uh, uh, scripted. This is a real game. I pulled Darth motherfucking Vader. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. (laughs) The force is with this debate. You have Luke. I have Darth Vader. And we have like the hero and villain of the saga. Are you okay if I pull the scenarios? Yeah, go for it. The last one. So. Luke Vader versus Darth Vader at running a travel agency. <laughs> oh my God. Oh man. So, uh, wow. All right. Would you like to go first? I or think w- you're going to go first. All right. Travel agencies are a sort of relic of an ancient time compared to now. We don't really see them too much. You don't really need them anymore. Unless someone were able to design, you know, an app that was a hit with millennials that would do it for you. But Well, then you wouldn't need a travel agency. You would need an app, which is not the scenario. Things that aren't really useful anymore. What are other things that aren't really useful anymore? Empires. Building empires. It's a thing of the past. But when it comes to getting results... When it comes to making sure that everyone that works for you does their very best or they will die, when it comes to pure, raw, military-grade style leadership, is there any better, more compelling, more interesting ruler than Darth Vader? Darth Vader is a character who his will is so strong, his connection to the force is so strong, when all of his limbs get severed off and he is literally lit on fire, he can will himself to live, to have a second life reborn as the mechanical Darth Vader that we know. This is a character that can do literally anything he wants, 
including running a travel agency. I think you've made a really interesting argument here. And I think that taking the leadership angle was the right way to go with Darth Vader because that's kind of the only way he's going to be able to run anything. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter what he's running. It's like if it's a bureaucracy or if it's an empire or if it's a business, he can run it because he can run things. But I think we have to also take into account that the scenario posits that it's a travel agency. So the person who runs this has to live and breathe travel, has to live and breathe that industry. And has to be familiar with different corners of the galaxy, different corners of the planet, has to be interested in the details, in stopping and smelling the roses, per se. Because if you're running a travel agency and you sit down across a couple who are planning their first big trip together, and they're like, I think we want to go here. Do you have any recommendations for where to go? You don't want to be like, oh, yeah, you're going to Paris? Go see the Eiffel Tower. You want to say... You won't go where I say you go. You want to say to these people, <laughs> you're going to go to the Eiffel Tower at 9.45 on a Tuesday night in July. And uh, at this exact time, stand on this exact side of the second floor and look up and you will see the sunset from here. Or you will see a double sunset, perhaps from wherever you're sitting in the galaxy. And if you're Luke Skywalker and you have grown up on Tatooine, looking at that sunset, dreaming of things bigger, and then you have seen Endor, you have seen Hoth, you have seen climates and biomes that you'd never imagined, and then when you finally get to choose where to die, you go to the most remote and beautiful and rich historical place in the entire galaxy, and then you learn its nitty-gritty details like where to harvest your green milk or how to, uh, how, how to hang with the porgs or exactly where to sit where you can see the double sunset. You're going to know how to run that travel agency, but you're also going to know why. I think that was a really, really passionate, well-made argument. I really, truly do. You know, I think... When looking at Luke, you have to look at young Luke versus last Jedi Luke, you know, and ask which one would be better. Last Jedi Luke, I don't think can run much of anything because, you know, he kind of wants to die. Whereas young Luke, I think, has that like spirit and spark that could, you know, I can tackle anything. Oh, well, I wanted to be a pilot, but manage a travel agency. You got it. You know, Uncle Owen, I'm managing a travel agency, you know, like I think he has that where I think Darth Vader has the slight edge is that in all phases of Darth Vader's character, he can run anything. Now, now I will say this, the people that work for him will be miserable because if they don't perform, he'll kill them. You know, like they will not like working at that travel agency. He will not be respectful of basic workers' rights, but I think he would run it better because of that. Here's Compared just the, to Luke. the one final thing that I want to button on here. Final that point. That thing I said about stopping and smelling the roses, you can only do that if you have a nose. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm, because I'm representing Darth Vader, I will not cede any point, but that was a good one. All right. <laughs> was Decide really at good home, one. friends. Decide at home, listeners, Please. Who, who won this one. Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker Obviously running a travel agency. Skywalker. Who is better? 
All right, let's get our next characters now. Let's see who we are pulling out of the hat here. Oh. All right, who you got? Ray. Oh, I got BB-8. Okay. Two from the the, uh, the newer trilogy. Yeah. So that's really great. What's You'll our know scenario? If, if you're a um, you know a, a, a listener of the podcast that we just did a two part series on Ray a couple weeks ago, I definitely uh, recommend going back and checking that out so you can get our kind of deep dive into that character. And we're going to do a ten part series on BB-8. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This scenario is great. This is one that I put in the hat. Great. Let's hear uh, it. Ray or BB-8? Who would be better at directing the next Star Wars spinoff film? Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So would you like to go first? Sure. I can go first. I'm going to say before you go, I think Ray has a very strong a advantage. advantage. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, I, I'll point out the elephant in the room, which is that one of these characters is a human being and one of them is a droid. And I don't mean to take away any droids humanity for lack of a better word, because We've seen again and again throughout the saga that they are conscious to uh, an extent and that they have empathy and and have proven really, really important characters and really deep and well-developed uh, characters throughout the saga. But um, like I said, we, we just did this deep dive into Rey, and, and she's a really interesting character to think of in a director's chair because Rey is remarkably um, emotionally intelligent uh, and I think to be a director, you have to be someone who is extremely, extremely good at reading the the finer and more detailed points of of people and understanding what is really going on below the surface of any person's uh, words or actions. And I think Ray is very, very adept at that. Uh, it, what we saw of her in The Last Jedi, especially with the way that she that she not manipulated, but the way that she kind of used Luke to her advantage in some ways, but also like found her own pathway to getting to his heart and causing him to open up is very much an example of what a good director can do in breaking, breaking through an actor. So if we're talking about the next star Wars spinoff film and Let's just go out and say that it's, you know, a, a Boba Fett uh, prequel and she's working with, I, I, I don't know how things have left off with the rumors on this one, but if she's working with Michael B. Jordan and he's playing the young Boba Fett uh, and that's an actor who is also very emotionally intelligent, I think Ray is going to be able to break him apart, use her knowledge of force lore, use her experience with Luke and be like, hey, I managed to like open up the the person who had closed himself off from the force entirely. What do you got to say for yourself? And I think she is going to get an incredible performance out of Michael B. Jordan or whoever is playing Boba Fett, and she's going to infuse that with some real power and force. Um, Really good argument. Ray I'm is, like excited to see Ray's Boba Fett movie. Ray is a phenomenal character who is outrageously talented and gifted as a character, and everybody loves Ray. How could you not love Ray? And if Ray were your boss on a movie, you would respect the living shit out of her. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt, I, I couldn't agree with every single point more. However, there's one thing that I'd say that BB-8 can have, and it depends upon what Star Wars spinoff movie we're doing. This is true. Because if we're doing the long-anticipated, much-needed, droid rebellion story 
who better to direct a, a movie about the droids than a droid? Wow. It is BB-8's yeah. role as the charming new droid introduced in J.J. Abrams' Force Awakens to take the mantle of droidom into the droid future to do the story that we need about the droids as conscious living beings who deserve full self-determinative, self-actualized rights in the galaxy that they have been denied as enslaved with with restraining bolts and uh, mean quips and characters who have taken them for granted, sold them over to huts just as a long con and not even tell one of the two droids you sold to the huts who's totally deeply confused as a pawn in the game. The droids, they need a story. They need a real story. And it can only be told by a droid. And that droid would be BB-8. Or apparently Ron Howard, who who put, you know, like 10 minutes of that into Solo. That's kind of what inspired me, yeah. the whole point. That was an incredibly passionate argument, and I would be very interested in seeing that movie. Yeah, you know, this is, an arg- this is a scenario that opens up a few different possibilities, so it really depends on what that movie is. Mm-hmm. Um, but within the universe, we've see- we put two characters against each other who have very different perspectives of what it means to be in that universe, one who ascends to being the chosen one, and one who, uh, who is part of a marginalized class. Regardless of how well he is loved by the people who own him, BB-8 is part of a marginalized class. So it might be interesting to see that perspective uh, helm a Star Wars movie in the future. Pragmatically, yeah. it'd be a little difficult for BB-8 being like, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, 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 be like, he could have I don't C-3PO, know what that means. Um, translate. <laughs> yeah, that could be hard. <laughs> fluent in six million forms of communication. So in only one scenario do I see BB-8 winning, and that is the droid liberation story. Exactly. Shall we move on? Yeah. All right. Let's go into the character hut and pull some more characters. I have C-3PO and R2-D2. I have Darth Maul. Oh, shit. I feel What's like please the scenario. please let the scenario have nothing to do with violence because I have no shot. I have serving as OJ's attorney. Oh Jesus Christ. Oh man. So one thing that's not clear is this OJ's trial for killing his wife? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. All right. So I absolutely believe that C-3PO and R2-D2 are the legal team that can get OJ acquitted. I believe that no two characters in all of Star Wars canon are better suited to that task than C-3PO and R2-D2. And let me tell you why. Tell me why. Every legal team is going to need a few things. They're going to need someone that is very fluent and communicative that can make the case clearly and articulately in a way that a common juror can understand, um, that is C-3PO. They're also going to need someone that is able to do the grunt work, the research, the detectiving, someone that's able to poke and prod and hack computers and figure out all of the information that can lead to a competitive advantage in the courtroom that the prosecutors do not see. Enter R2-D2. Combined together... These two can do just about anything from charting hyperspace to winning over Ewoks to the rebel cause. And I certainly think C-3PO would be able to make a compelling 
legal argument in digestible bites so that a juror could understand while R2-D2 provides the research, the detective prowess, and a little bit of courtroom spunk. Because at some point, R2-D2 will get his little robotic arm and go beep, 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 beep. And meaning, and C-3PO will be like, he means objection, just to shake things up and get all eyes on R2. So R2 has that little bit of Johnny Cochran's star power. Oh, yeah, yeah. To him as well. So I genuinely believe that if the droids don't fit, you must acquit. Yeah. So I, I wrote this scenario and I was excited about it because I was thinking about all the arguments that I could make if I got like Luke or Darth Vader or um, the Wampa or Count Dooku or Mace Windu or uh, wait, any of the many characters <laughs> who has a hand cut off uh, throughout the Star Wars saga because I could make that glove joke. Um, <laughs> well done. Uh, or even Han Solo or Leia, who are characters who are really strong with leadership and or, uh, you know, fancy footwork in terms of uh, storytelling. Or Lando, you know, really winning people over with charm. But I drew Darth Maul, which is kind of the only character I was not prepared to make an argument for in this particular scenario. I picked too. Um, but I have one point that I would like to to offer. Raise it. Uh, and, and that is is this one. Double-sided lightsaber. Your argument is just a bunch of sounds. That's literally all I have. I have nothing to say about Darth Maul. Oh man, what about using the Force to persuade people? Meh. He is innocent. Yeah. Okay, Jedi Meh. mind trick. That would be very useful if you're. A- that just doesn't feel like like a very Darth Maul thing to do. That feels like a. Uh, you know, Obi-Wan thing. What about do. Darth Maul? I, I'm making your arguments yeah, for you. I just don't make want, my argument I'm going to move me. on. You won. <laughs> I'm going to I don't gonna give two shits about Darth Maul. Win and move on. Wow, no two shits about Darth Maul. I'm None. grabbing my next character. I suggest you do the same. I have Grand Moff Tarkin. I have Salacious B. Crumb. All right, so these are a little deeper cuts. Grand Moff Tarkin is in episode four, New Hope, also Star Wars, the Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. He's the Imperial crony. And he pops up in Rogue One. Yeah, he is CGI recreated in Rogue One. He's yeah. played by Peter Cushing. Right. And uh, and yeah, he like runs the Death Star. Salacious Crumb is... He is a, uh, a monkey lizard who lives with uh, Jabba the Hutt, who's kind of like a court jester. And is just a little Muppet. Um, he goes, Meh! Exactly. I that's was going to describe what he does, and then you just did yeah, it. Yeah, that's what he does. That's much better. So he's yeah. that guy from uh, from uh, Empire Strikes Back. All right, so let's go into the scenario. Oh, do you want to pick? I'm sorry. I Listeners, I, I kind of tried to jump almost the gun. jump the gun and grab a pick. I'm so excited. So what's the scenario? Running a free, fair, and prosperous nation based on universal human rights and self-determination. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> does that sound like any nation you've ever heard of? Because I've never heard of that before. That's <laughs> the idea of America. Um, <laughs> we don't always live up to it, um, e.g., the Trump administration. But anyway, um, so I have Grand Moff Tarkin. So Grand Moff Tarkin, he is essentially like the character equivalent of like a higher middle level Nazi in the Nazi Party. Yeah, you know, like he is a government high functioning, you know, stooge. 
who does the will of the emperor and believes in rule by fear. He says this specifically is that when the Senate is dissolved and his other military commanders are like, how are we going to maintain control? He says, fear will keep the local systems in line, saying that, you know, we're going to rule this galaxy through fear. He's pretty much the worst at self-determinative, liberal, universal human rights principles. So in terms of making this argument, I'm going to say that Grand Moff Tarkin has one thing that he could probably do well in this society, and that's he's a bureaucrat. He understands how government machinations work. He understands how policy works. His particular philosophy is abhorrent, uh, authoritarian, tyrannical. I mean, he's like Donald Trump. If Donald Trump was good at doing things in the government, he'd be Grand Moff Tarkin, you know? He, like, Grand Moff Tarkin is more closer to Kim Jong-un than he is to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. You know, but he does understand policy and its effects. If he can bury his personal ideology, he would be a very effective leader in a complex, multi-layered, multifaceted society. What I just don't know if he can do is not have the, like, inner governed by fear come out of him. If he could bury that part of him, he would be a great leader in an open and free society. I just don't know if he can. Yeah, no, it's interesting because yeah, it is important as a, as a leader of a nation of any kind to really be a policy wonk, right? To be Mm -hmm. in the weeds on all of that. Um, and, and Tarkin really has all that going for him. But I would like to say at the beginning of the founding of this nation, America, which is based on the principles of self-determination and universal basic human rights, um, even if in its inception it wasn't fully uh, true to that, and even if it isn't fully true to that today, it's still a work in progress. It wasn't founded by policy wonks. It was founded by the guys down at the pub in Philadelphia. It was founded by a group of kind of dirty guys who don't shower that often, who were off to war or were cracking open a pint of Sam Adams or who were, you know, running through the horseshit covered cobblestone streets screaming, the British are coming, the British are coming. They were not polished like politicians. They were just guys. And I think that even, even if you have that, uh, that knowledge and that experience and that uh, institutional uh, sort of upbringing, if you have that cleanliness and that ability to do the paperwork and do the, the, the hard stuff, like being able to bury your, your ideology, is, it, that's not enough for running a, a free and fair, prosperous nation based on these principles. You have to believe those principles. And I think that between the two of these characters, Salacious Crumb, who is one of those dirty fucking guys down at the pub hanging out with a big fat guy like Benjamin Franklin um, and laughing and having a good time and making money, because Prosperous is part of this scenario that you wrote down. Prosperous is important. I think... <laughs> this is such a stretch, but continue. Salacious Crumb is going to be much better fitted because he is going to believe in the thing that he is making because he's going to believe in making a thing that is like his experience for everyone. Jabba the Hutt's 
court stooge pet. Okay. Yep. <laughs> at least I monkey lizard. At least I was honest about my character's shortcomings in this scenario. Uh, monkey lizard. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Muppet. We probably pulled so I, I wrote this scenario in the hopes that it would be like a Grand Moff Tarkin versus a Princess Leia. Right. You know? Yeah. And it turned out to be Grand Moff Tarkin versus, versus Salacious Crumb. Yeah. And that's great. That's, that's just what great. the boomerang ring is all about. That is what it's all it about. It makes us create these wacky insane scenarios yep and we get to make these fun arguments layered with all the shit that we think about and talk about so i've got oh i got a good one who you got you go first admiral hodel oh (laughs) admiral holdo admiral hodor (laughs) yeah i just kind of minced my world i've got kylo ren Oh, shit. So We've got some Last Jedi uh, beef. Admiral Holdo is a bitter, deep cut. She's a character just in The Last Jedi. So if you haven't seen The Last Jedi, I'm probably going to spoil everything in talking about her character. Yeah. Um, Kylo Ren, if you don't know who Kylo Ren is, everyone knows who Kylo Ren is. All right, scenario, is it uh, my turn? Uh, it's your turn, yeah. All right, so ahead. let me pick out the scenario here. I think most of yours have been picked, so I'm hopeful mine are the ones that are left. And I have... This is a good one. Denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. Oh, my God. Yeah, I went there. Oh, no. Yep. Well, I went OJ, so. Yeah, um, so denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula. I went first last time. Would you like to go first? I know my argument already. um, Make your argument if you know it already. I need a minute to think. So denuclearization is one of the most complex and crazy topics that is out there. And in particular, doing it in Korea, in which you have what we Americans call a rogue nation in North Korea, developing nuclear weapons. This solution um, will ultimately involve multi-prongs. What do I mean by multi-prongs? It's going to involve military pressure, economic pressure, and diplomatic pressure. All three of those prongs are only going to be capable by someone who is a smart flexible and intellectually agile and curious leader woman. Yeah. Yeah. Woman. And in my scenario, it has to be a woman as a matter of fact, someone that's going to be like, let's understand that all nuclear bombs are part of the fallacy, not the fallacy, the phallic symbology. I'm just making up words now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's about dicks. It's about men flexing their dicks. So it's going to take a capable purple-haired woman to go in there and figure this out. I don't think there's a character in Star Wars better suited to this task because of what Holdo represents. She knows how to be stern, when to be stern. She knows how to be soft, when to be soft. One of the fun things about the end of The Last Jedi, she butts heads with Poe Dameron the entire movie. Poe Dameron runs a mutiny, and at the very end, she goes, you know what, I actually really like him. That, to me, is a great leader. Someone who knows how to check someone when they need to be checked, even though they actually like that person and want to encourage them, they realize that it's better to not encourage them. That level of multi-layered thinking, that can, uh, that multi-pronged thinking, if you will, is the exact kind of leadership that will be needed to take nuclear weapons off of the Korean Peninsula. Holdo for the win. Boom. I I love that argument. Like stepping out of this being a debate for a second, like I think that's fantastic. And I think you could the only person that you could argue for that would be better in the entire Star Wars canon for denuclearizing 
uh, any nation would be Princess Leia. Of course, um, she would be better at it. Yeah, but like it would be close um, because Holdo really showed us some fucking cojones in The Last Jedi. So I think that's an incredibly lucky draw for you. I, of course, drew Kylo Ren, um, but I, I don't know. I'm kind of interested in this because we are we are deep in, in our universe. We are deep in the midst of like waiting to see what is going to happen with Korea. And our president, who is... Um, uh, kind of a piss baby is out there having this conversation or talking about potentially someday having this conversation with Kim Jong-un. And I don't have a lot of confidence in our president and his ability to do that. But he also hasn't done it yet, so I don't know. And I don't know if maybe putting a leader who is kind of unhinged and childish, and uh, a a man-child, and uh, obsessed with delusions of grandeur on the same level as as that same counterpart in Korea is possible. Like, if that actually would be the the way to do it, because we've tried this multi-pronged thing before with other uh, leaders, and it hasn't worked. So, like, maybe the only way to solve this problem is to get somebody who's on their level. And if there's anybody who's in the Star Wars universe who is on the same level as Kim Jong-un in terms of delusions of grandeur and um, immaturity, but also desire to be perceived as the most mature and powerful um, man in the in the galaxy, it's Kylo Ren. Well, that you got really real and really raw there. Yeah. I, I trust mm, Kylo Ren more than I trust I trust Kylo Trump Ren a that. lot more than I trust... <laughs> Donald Trump. Um. Yeah, so I think, uh, see, I think Kylo Ren's pathway to denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula would be to just destroy the Korean Peninsula. Yeah, he would just, you know, press one button and destroy the Korean Peninsula. Yeah, and and then boom, it's denuclearized. you know, he actually gets to the summit. He gets on the, the floor with the guy who he has made believe that he is his friend and then, you know, he uses the force to cut him in half. And kills him. And kills him. And then and says, takes I now own moms. Korea. Give me your your nukes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of ways that Kylo Ren and his in unpredictability and in his instability might actually be an asset to facing off against an unpredictable, unstable leader. Wow. So I, I think we're at an impasse here. I think the internet is going to have to tell us. Who's better at denuclearizing the Korean Peninsula, <laughs> Kylo Ren or Admiral Holdo? If only one of them were actually in charge. <laughs> so these are our last it's two. It's funny because I know who's I know who's left. Yes, me too. And I have Han Solo. Motherfucker, you have Han Solo, yep. and I have the Ewoks. Yep. <laughs> and uh, is that are we out of scenarios too? No, there's two scenarios left. Oh, well, pick the last scenario. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You just read one of them, didn't you? No, I didn't. They're both still folded. What do we got? Solving the labyrinth in the movie Labyrinth. Han Solo versus the Ewoks solving the labyrinth in the movie Labyrinth. Go. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I I already, I can see what argument you're going to make, and so I'm trying to preempt it, but... um, the Ewoks are a really interesting race of little teddy bear creatures that live on the forest moon of Endor. And they're adorable, but they're also vicious. 
And uh, if you've seen the movie Labyrinth, you know that it is overseen by the Goblin King, David Bowie, also known as Jareth. Um, and it is a pretty, it's a pretty crazy maze that you have to get to the center of to be able to, you know, save your brother or solve whatever crisis that you're going through. But it's not just a maze. There are uh, tons of trials and tribulations that you have to go through. And kind of the only way to do it is to make friends and to have allies. And if we're talking about Han Solo, who is by definition solo, versus the Ewoks, who are already a tribe, then we at least have an advantage here where the Ewoks can help each other out, they can watch each other's backs, they can make sure that nobody is out there changing the directions of the you know, X marks that you have written on certain uh, tiles so that you, you know which you know, area you have passed before. And you also have a tribe that likes to hang out. You know, they, they like to have bonfires and they like to sit and like be friendly with one another and have parties. So in the like first 15 minutes of Sarah going through the labyrinth in the movie, this is the most frustrating part of the movie for me, is that she encounters that Muppet worm and that Muppet worm is like, come on in, meet the wife, have a cup of tea. Uh, and she's like, no, I gotta go, uh, I gotta go save my brother. And she decides to go this one way. And then the worm is like, it's a pity. If she'd gone the other way, she would have gone straight to that castle. And the Ewoks wouldn't just run away. They would be like, hospitality, let's go inside, meet the wife, have a cup of tea. And they would end up right at the castle and solve their problem because of just what cuddly nature they have. Chewy, plot a course to the castle at the center of the labyrinth in the Falcon. Labyrinth solved. Boom. Double lightsaber. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, Han has a spaceship. What's a labyrinth to a spaceship? Yeah. He'll fly yeah. right over the center and he'll go right out. And he'll land right there at the center of the labyrinth. Oh, you have a bunch of goblins hurling rocks at me? I have a spaceship with a blaster cannon. I mean, Han would have no trouble whatsoever getting to the center of the labyrinth because in this particular scenario, technology trumps magic. All right. right. You know, the labyrinth is a magical place, but it's all about going through the journey. And Han wouldn't need to. But for the sake of the spirit of the boomerangerang, let's say Han does need to go through the journey solo, as you will. Um, Han, his entire character arc is about going from solo to friends. So your point of him not being able to make friends is moot. He will make his allies along the way. Han is also incredibly intelligent. Some argue that he is force sensitive, which is why he has luck, which he has the force on his side. And Han's a guy that push comes to shove is always going to do the right thing. So even if he didn't have the Millennium Falcon... He would be able to make the allies that he needs, and he will be able to plot his course. He will be able to answer the riddles. He'll be able to outwit the Goblin King and get to the center. Because what is the labyrinth but a stand-in for the hero's journey? And what is Han if not a hero who can go on hero's journeys? The labyrinth is the obstacle that the hero needs to go through to become wiser, stronger, and better at the end. It is a a physical metaphor of that embodiment and that journey. The Ewoks are a tribe of, um, you know, conscious bear people. 
And that tribe has a sort of uh, standard noble savage stigma attached to it. They'd be communal. They act cooperatively. But you take them out of their natural element and you show them magic. They they couldn't handle a Jedi raising a uh, a droid in the air without you know freaking out. They worshipped another droid as a god. That's how primitive they are. If they encountered actual magic, they would run away in fear and, and, and scared. What does Han do when he sees magic, when he sees the Force? He doubts it. He's a little critical of it, but he's not afraid of it. But at the same, by the same coin, Ewoks encountered those speeder bikes and just got on and were able to ride them fast, faster than anybody in the Empire. Like, they're, they're not intimidated or terrified by things that they are not familiar with. They are enthralled and they are uh, amazed by those things. And sometimes they worship them or sometimes they figure out how to use them. I don't think that's necessarily I'm, valid. I'm just saying the Ewoks go to the labyrinth. They all end up in, in Jarrah's goblin army. They all end up goblins in his army. I think they go inside, meet the wife, have a cup of tea. And they, they don't speak the same language and don't have a translator. If they don't have C-3PO with them, how are they going to communicate all right. to that little bug? All right. Well, say, say Han does get through the labyrinth. This is the last thing I'll say. Say it. Can he do it in under 12 parsecs? I mean, it's no Kessel Run. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, he can. What was the scenario? We had one extra scenario that we didn't get to, to see. And that extra scenario was teaching people how to paint happy little trees while high on crack. Uh, okay, for a lightning round, what character do you think would be best at that? I'll tell you what. I will name a character that you have to argue for, and you can name a character that I have to argue for. Is that fair? Yeah, let me look at it one more time. Uh, the scenario? Oh, yeah. sure. So my character is going to be Count Dooku. You have to argue Count Dooku. Count Dooku has to paint, has to teach people how to paint happy little trees while high on crack. Mm-hmm. While the people painting are high on crack or while Count Dooku is Full high Bob on crack? Bob Ross, he's got to be high on crack. He's got to be high on crack. Just okay. like Bob Ross was. And then I have to come up with a character for you. Yes. Okay. Don't think about it too hard. I'm going to go the same, uh, same route and say General Grievous. Okay, General Grievous. He's going to be high on crack, and he's going to have to teach people how to paint happy little trees. Now, this is not his strong suit, I'm going to tell you, because he's just going to want to hit things with lightsabers the higher on crack he gets. However, he's got one saving grace. Most of his body is machine, hence a less susceptible to the insanity that is a crack binge. So that can give him a little more control. Now, as far as teaching people things, I think him, even not high on crack, would be a little intense, you know, but I think on crack, he'd be extra intense. But the best part about that is, is while teaching people, they're going to be really nervous because he'll just kill them if they get it wrong. So they're going to see this reptile, four-armed, animatronic, droid, you know, like creature, but they're going to listen intently and the crack's not going to do as much damage to his ability to paint because he is half, actually he's more like 90% robot. I think painting comes from the body though. I think painting is like a full, like physical, like body and soul type thing. And so is being high on crack. And I think 
to be a, a great painter and to find joy in painting, you have to feel the sensations of it. And you also have to value the sensations of it. Like you have to value your hands quite a lot. Um, but I think Dooku is, is an interesting, you know, character for this particular, um, scenario because obviously he's, he's a dark Lord of the Sith. He's not a good guy. He's not somebody that we often see smiling, but if you got him on some drugs and like he mellowed out, he's Christopher Lee. He's got that bassy voice. He would just be so like so pleasant and calming and it would be like such a, a great exercise for him. He'd be much more like Yoda. I just and the next say, time he faces off against Yoda, I think he'd be much more uh, prepared. I just want to say crack is not known for its calming effects. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, nope. it's not like he's smoking a joint. I'm, just, I'm thinking about Bob Ross and Bob Ross was like calm as shit. He was also high on crack the whole time. That is wild. You would you would not think it was crack. You would think it was definitely weed or downers. To be fair, I don't know for a fact that he's high on crack, but yeah. I've just heard that. Well, in any event, yeah, this has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Doing the boomerangarang, doing it Star Wars themed. And um, guys, if you have any thoughts, comments, please, you know, give us a tweet. Tell us how much... I dominated this boomerangarang. What a great job I did making amazing stellar arguments better than my co-host ever could or ever has. And while you're at it, make sure you uh, you mention how disadvantaged I was by all of my draws and yet how I rose to the challenge to create arguments that were even better than Derek's when he was given the market advantage in his draw. You had one week draw, Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> the Ewoks is tough too, but you had Salacious Crumb and Kylo Ren in our particular scenarios. Salacious Crumb is a weak draw. I will say good day to you, sir. Good day, sir. And until next time, guys, be kind. And may the force be with you. 